Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics for another podcast session. And this time our guest is from the functional health or functional medicine world, uh, Dr. Sally Bell. Yeah, Sally's someone that we've known for a while. Jacko even trained her for a bit um, and she's evolved over time in her career of being she's been a doctor for 20 years but has moved away from sort of a, a standard GP as what she was before and now into doing more functional health she still works as a doctor but it was an amazing opportunity to just spend actually about an, over an hour I think we were chatting for just starting to unpick some of the it's a deeper level understanding about what is actually some of the conversation that we need to be aware of around health wellness nutrition well and just general yeah, and lifestyle and Tim's been talking a lot recently about investing in our physical pension and actually we go into some detail around um, that that the physical side of things is just one element of our let's call it almost like a wellness pension like our longevity as 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 humans to be awesome people for as long as possible um, we probably only got through half of the questions that we potentially had to ask because we got um, carried away with, in, with so many things so there's potentially going to be a part two for this if you did uh, enjoy this first one uh, we certainly would like to sit down with Sally for another hour and and uh, and pick her brains about how all of us, what simple and, and small changes that we can try and make to improve um, our overall health and wellness and nutrition being one of those, but only one of five key areas that she talks about. Um, so you get to unpack all of those with us in this podcast. Yeah, I think that'd be my one sort of note just before you go ahead and listen to this. And we do talk about it um, throughout the podcast, but it might sound overwhelming that there's a lot there and oh, I've got to try crack, I've got to try and think about all these different things it's all about making small incremental changes and just don't think that you've got to overhaul everything in one go jack and i are still a work in progress and moving closer towards where we think we need to be but we're not trying to um, don't don't be intimidated by it's what i'm trying yeah. to say yeah take something try it out see if it works for you if it does maintain it and then try and improve something else so guys sit back and enjoy dr sally bell on the school of calisthenics podcast roll the jingle So, Dr. Sally Bell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And in person, we don't have get a lot of in-person podcasts. Um, you're based here in Nottingham with us, um, and but you're now transitioned into functional medicine. Yep. And first, if we could, for the people listening, just to, in a bit of a, in a bit of a nutshell, what is functional medicine? Then also just share your story of yep. like how you went from being a GP a tradition, in traditional medicine into yeah. and why you, mm. you went through that? I think um, in a nutshell, functional medicine is about looking for root cause. So we currently have a medical system where we listen to your symptoms and then we classify you as a disease and then we follow a guideline that treats your disease. And we end up treating diseases, we don't treat people, where functional medicine looks at the same problem, but instead of focusing on your symptoms and symptom management of disease, we're looking to see what's going on in your body and work out where the dysfunction is there and handle the problem from that end, looking upstream. Um, and I've been a doctor for 20 years now um, and have trained as a GP and I've worked in Africa for a few years as well doing aid work. And when I came back in 2008 into general practice, I'd noticed a few things that had changed, like a really big emphasis on our prescribing and I was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with our prescribing. 
Um, and also just there was a breakdown in general practice where we used to have a bit of continuity of care and see the same patients, but there was just this pressure to see people like 10 minutes at a time, often to prescribe something. I'll be seeing 40 patients a day. And there was this growing thing in me where I was just like, I'm not getting to the bottom of anything and I am not helping these people get well. And often I'm giving medication and the next time I see them, I'm giving them another medication because they're having side effects to the medication they're on. And so there was this thing going on in me where I was becoming very dissatisfied but the um the but I ended up getting unwell and I ended up being on the other side of the system um, and I had all these weird and wonderful symptoms and nobody could tell me what was wrong um, and the GP kept telling me oh you know your blood results are all normal so I was thinking it was in my head um, and then eventually when we were training together actually Jacko I had an episode where I couldn't run on the treadmill anymore and I went back to my GP and I was like this is not normal um, so went through the system had scans and all that and in the end they gave me a, a of chronic migraine without headaches and um, put me on all this really strong medication and I kept thinking but you're not telling me why I'm unwell like I am fit I'm not overweight you know I sleep well I really work hard to manage my stress and I remember having a conversation with a neurologist I said is there anything I can do um, that can help me get better and he slipped the prescription across to me and said try this one Sally and see if it helps and I walked out of there and I decided that there had to be a better way and it was uh, and that was the beginning of starting to stand back and look what alternatives there were um, to help find a solution to, to sort of modern disease and a different way of helping people get better. That's amazing um, to hear that, that your, your first-hand experience and then what you're experiencing as a professional. It made, but the first thing you said there around like what is the root cause is something which is kind of bubbled up within our field of strength and condition of going, rather than saying like, okay, your ankle is hurting or you're not moving, why is it not moving well? And we, we've started to embrace, and that's one thing that we like around calisthenics is we have to consider the system as a whole and go, well, why is it, why are you getting ankle pain? Is it a shoulder issue that is transferring and understanding the whole movement system? What you're doing is taking that to a much more complicated level of actually understanding all of the systems and how they're interacting into to, to someone's health and, and well-being yeah. and I think on that point one of the other um, the other thing that's happened in, in, in modern medicine is that we have this silo approach so you've got your skin doctor you've got your ankle doctor you've got your knee doctor you've got your gut doctor you've got your eye doctor and historically general practice used to hold all of that together but we we don't have that continuity anymore and and you end up everybody treats their system but it's ludicrous of course we're like an interconnected system of course like your gut health is going to affect your brain health and or your nutritional health and that's going to affect your skin and and so this this kind of um focus on systems and on symptoms just uh doesn't work for me anymore yeah yeah i'm bubbling with questions right <laughs> yeah, now no, so as once go, take it in turns um, there was um <laughs> Something that, uh, like, Chris Cresser is, is really championing this, and if people haven't checked him out, make sure you do. Cresser is K-R-E-S-S-E-R. -S -S -E um, and Rangan Chatterjee, if I pronounce that right, in the UK. Um, the functional medicine is now starting to be a little bit better well-known, but it's still really early days here in the UK. But that whole principle that you talked about of, like, the same as Tim said, that the, the similarities with, like, training and trying to train thing and look at the body as one unit and everything affecting each other from a training perspective makes sense and then when you talk about it from a health perspective I think it's a quite easy concept for people to 
to go, yeah, and actually that, that makes sense. It does seem right. And then we can engage in it. I think it's sometimes, what's the difficulty is that sometimes these things are like, uh, there's a longer process and route to go down. And like you said to the, is there anything that I can do? That a lot of the time, what we want to do when we go to the doctor is, particularly as a, as a kid, you're hurt or you whatever, you get taken to the doctor and the doctor will make you better. It's like what the mum would say to you or whatever. And so we almost, like, I go to hospital to be made better or I go to the doctor to be made better. And actually the might, the, the, the emphasis might have to be on us to make some changes that's going to have a bigger effect. And one one thing that uh, described Chris, I heard, I think Chris Cresser describe in a nutshell as, as a, a really nice analogy I liked was he said, uh, if in, in traditional medicine, if you had a sore foot, you'd go to the doctor and the doctor would go, okay, you've got pain in your foot. Here's some painkillers. You take that, pain goes away. Whereas a functional practitioner would look at your foot and you go, my foot hurts. Okay, let's just have a look at your foot. Take your shoe off and then there's a stone in your shoe and so they take the stone out. Um, And I just think that's just a beautifully simple way to just sort of, it seems like so obvious, but it actually, as you say, it just, that's exactly what happens. But I think some of it is fed by, I don't want to open up the can of worms of, no one makes, if your drug companies don't make money if you're not giving people drugs. Um, But that is something, but we'll just leave that one, that's for another podcast. Um, but the, the, there is, as a patient, and I've experienced this myself, like if there's something wrong with me, I want, yeah. I want them to fix me yeah. rather than actually going, what am I going to do about it and take ownership of it? Hi everyone, it's Tim and Jacko here. We just wanted to interrupt the podcast very briefly just to tell you a little bit about the virtual classroom because we were so excited about everything that's going on in there that it's just too good not to share with you. We've put the best of everything we've got and everything we know into the virtual classroom to help you work towards your goals in bodyweight training and calisthenics. So by becoming a member of the virtual classroom, you can get access to specific classrooms which are going to take you towards your calisthenics goals, whether that be a muscle-up, handstand, human flag, all the major movements are covered, and we're going to walk you through step-by-step with specialised weekly training programmes and self-assessments which are going to make sure you never get stuck and you know exactly what to do every time you want to train. On top of the movement-specific classrooms, we also have things like workout of the week. We have follow-along workouts for you to do. We have challenges inside of playtime. We also host live webinars answering your specific questions, doing problem-solving alongside with you. And there's also a video library of all the video tutorials and exercises that we have. And alongside that, there is a, a, a community of people in there that are helping support each other towards their goals and their training and helping with that process being alongside me and Tim inside the virtual classroom and all the students as well. So if you want to become part of what is possibly the greatest bodyweight and calisthenics training resource in the world, at least we think so, then all you need to do is swing by schoolofcalisthenics.com and follow the links through to the virtual classroom. When you get there, you're going to find a number of different membership packages to choose from. We've got specific subscriptions for beginners. And if you want everything that we've got, you can join a monthly or an annual subscription plan and you are going to get the best of everything that we've got, which is going to help you to do whatever it is that you want to achieve in calisthenics. If you have just one specific goal, you can buy the individual classroom for that movement for a one-time fee and get unlimited access to all of the workouts and the programs to follow inside that classroom. 
we are now fully aware that you're probably not even listening to this anymore because you've already gone to schoolofcalisthenics.com to check out the virtual classroom. But if you still need a little bit more convincing, wondering if it's for you or not, we've got a completely free eight-week beginner's guide which is going to take you from absolute basics and give you an exposure to all of the exciting things that Calisthenics has to offer. And also on our monthly full subscription, you can get seven days just to check it out. No contracts. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay, but you probably will. And we look forward to seeing you in the virtual classroom very soon. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, and, and I think that what we under, now understand about disease, the majority of modern Western disease is 80% is due to our lifestyle, 20% is due to our genes. And, and I think we've also been fed this like, well, I've got a gene for obesity or I've got a gene for breast cancer, but that doesn't mean that that gene gets switched on. And the thing that switches on our genes, which very much control our disease, are, are the environment we build around um, you know, our, our bodies and around our genetics material and around ourselves and and that comes down to yes how we're eating how we're sleeping how we're moving you know this beautiful research and evidence of how we connect like if we have a sense of purpose like it increases longevity if we're isolated and lonely it switches on our disease for heart disease and it has a stronger association than smoking and diabetes and so actually you know our connection as well as you know attacking the issue of stress we know that stress also is really driving disease and so having um, rhythms in our life where we're we're creating space and rest is also important and um, and that's what is driving modern disease we have lost our balance we haven't got those foundations in place and there is no drug on the market that is going to bring a solution because the root cause isn't in one simple pathway that a drug works on the root cause is is how we're living and how modern day life is um, influencing us as families and as communities and as culture um so yeah is it um i was just got a couple of questions around um one of them being about worldwide health systems like in the uk we have the nhs for most people and it's, it's free healthcare, um and the pressure on the healthcare of there's a lot of people that are not well because of some of the things that you've talked about so the pressure on doctors to see these ill people and provide service and the standards around that that the government's aiming for of how quickly you got to get seen and mm. the quick ways just to give people a drug and get the next one in right I, i'm yeah. guessing that's the part yeah. of the, the challenge that you face yeah yeah so my current approach in so i have a little private practice where i'm seeing patients and we were just discussing earlier like people just keep getting better and so my patient list is growing simply because of that but i will spend up to an hour with my patients unraveling what's going on in their life listening to their story looking at you know what they've had done so far to identify where the issues are and and i and you can't do that in 10 minutes and and i'm not you know anti-gps they have such a tough job and their heart is they want to get their patients better none of us went into medicine to do harm we went into medicine to help people get better but we have a system that isn't addressing the issue of chronic disease we've got a system that looks after acute problems and and we were also saying earlier like you know the nhs is phenomenal like i have worked in africa i know what it's like when you don't have that mm. and and um yeah, and given, I'm not, yeah the nhs like you said um you still you do some emergency stuff now where actually that's what it's appropriate and i had every single operation i had from all of my rugby injuries were all done on the nhs and they did an amazing job so like but it's a it's a different it's it's a different part of it probably yes. that's the, yeah. that we're talking and so it's about it's not that we need to you know get rid of all of yeah. that but we need to um 
ask some different questions and come up with some different solutions and it's for a prevention. lot of the chronic disease. And, that, and the chronic, that's, and it's, a lot of that comes down to ra- like rather than firefighting and trying to treat the symptoms, symptoms yeah. once they're there, there's yeah. actually what can we do before yeah. that? And I, I've, I don't know if we want to open up another can of worms of like, actually so how like how young should that start is probably for another for another day but like because i haven't even really heard like my wife is 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 into all of this and i haven't i get to listen to podcasts and talks that she's listening to and i haven't actually heard the likes of chris gresser and people talking an awful lot about what the what we should do kids wise and that sort of stuff but i guess the earlier we can get yeah, stuff absolutely going so i think the better. if you're looking at not wanting to die from a modern day disease and you want to live long yeah. um it is what we do for decades it's not the faddish diet it's not what we do for a year it's what rhythms we have in our life that we do decade upon decade and that is what influences the health of our nation and and that is what we need to return to and it's not even just our personal decisions it's about our community and our environment because if you're just the one that's trying to eat eat well in in an environment and a culture that is going a different way you won't keep that up for decades because it has to be supported by rhythm and by family and by a way of thinking and and so so there's the the personal decisions we make but this message is so much bigger than that it's around our culture um, and, and and modern day living and how can we live in a way that's sustainable so that we can not die from these awful diseases like one in two of us are going to experience cancer in our life um um, you know, and and so enjoy our life and and live long. So. Yeah, I think you made a point and understanding the complexity of these big systems like the healthcare system. In elite sport, when we're sort of focusing and drilling down around an individual athlete, we very much pride the multidisciplinary or now sort of more sort of interdisciplinary approach where we've got the nutrition, the psych, and we're bringing these people together to solve this problem. You can do that when you've got a team of twenty people. When you've got a country of 55 60 million like it becomes much more is that what it is now in the uk which is just you can't you can't do it so in terms of like it's working with someone like yourself where you can start to take a bit more of a holistic approach when i saw you a couple of months ago and i said to you how's it going you like people just keep getting better are you able to give us to to put it to bring to life for people is there any case studies that you can give us where so it's been really simple things i remember when you had this similar conversation that you'd obviously had with tim and it was like there wasn't groundbreaking things you were doing so yeah is there any case studies you could unpick yeah Yeah, patient x a couple you know i can talk about one guy that i'm working with who's um, struggles with obesity and when we listened to what was going on yeah he had a crappy diet and I could have start by banging on about what he needed to eat but quite frankly he knew what he needed to eat and but when we looked at him he was sleeping less than five hours a night and I know that if you sleep less than five hours a night your whole body hormonally is wired to eat and and you get insulin resistance you get leptin resistance and and so the first thing I did for two months without anything else is we just worked on his sleep hygiene and we did a little bit of supplementing and without him changing anything else he lost 10 pounds in the first two months he thought he was marvelous he basically slept it off so, so i just think you know it is sometimes it's it's listening to you know and then we did work on diet because obviously we had to but but if i had asked him to do that before he would have failed and it's all about setting your your clients so there was up something else causing yeah. you know yeah. the eating habit what yeah. i love about that though is 90 percent of the fitness industry would be like just move more burn yeah, more calories no. Yeah, sleep longer. That well, also helps. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, a completely so different. Some, like, yeah. I mean, we could talk about my understanding calories anyway. But we'll get onto that. But, yeah, we'll get onto that later. Because yeah, you know, another, hold that thought. Yeah, another great, you know, patient I had this. Um, 
only just a couple of weeks ago and, and I asked her permission to be able to just share her story, you know, not her name, but uh, again, like um, brave story, young lady. Um, and she had a few years of the most terrible fatigue and then two years ago stopped sleeping. Like she wouldn't get to, wouldn't be able to get to sleep till five, six o'clock in the morning. And then again, our culture is you have to get up, you know, you've got to work. And, um, and then a year ago, she developed this awful skin rash and, uh, and she'd been on antibiotics, she'd been seeing the dermatologist and um, and then she came to see me and uh, you know sat and really had a listen to her and we did a bit of testing with her and did some stuff on gut health I addressed some very simple nutritional deficiencies we talked a little bit about sleep hygiene and getting back into some good rhythms and I was thinking six to nine months like yeah this will take to get this better when I when I did my review appointment in two months her skin had completely healed having been unwell for a year with no relief from it and she st suddenly started sleeping at midnight and was sleeping through the night and her energy was returning and it was like gosh I haven't really done much <laughs> and um but you know but she had spent a whole year backwards and forwards from the doctor who just hadn't got the time and maybe that the skill in terms of looking for root cause to help her um address some really you know basic stuff you know I keep going back with all of my clients it's nutrition it's sleep it's movement it's rest and it's connection and um or in my own life like I suffer with migraines occasionally and I've befriended my migraines because they tell me something is out of whack and so when I start to get a, a migraine I look at my five foundations and I think okay do I need to sleep a bit more how's you know how am I eating is it I just need some more rest am I disconnected from somebody and I can usually I've learned to go yeah this is it and then I can tweak here and there and I don't need to be going to the doctor and I don't need to reach for your sumatriptan or your paracetamol and um, so, but yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because it's like, rather than just reaching for a painkiller or going ask the doctor to make me better, you learn, you're, you're learning more about yourself. And we talk about that with training like all the time. Like how much do we, how much do we learn about our bodies when we're trying to learn to do a handstand? I can't quite do it yet. Like I've learned what's tight, what's weak and, you know, that learning process is something we keep coming back and back and back to it, like just embracing it, embracing it, embracing it, even though like when it, at times in training, it might be like it could be pain or, you know, it could be, there could be a lot of pain associated with issues around people's health and things as well. That that's, it's hard to embrace when it's something that's dis, it's, it's not comfortable. It's not, it could be a lot, well, it could be a far from uncomfortable. It could be extremely painful, but it's something to try and, yeah like learn from yeah. I think and I think like training with you so I had just done this thing all my life where I just thought well I've got an hour I've just got to kill it and trained as hard as I possibly could because I've got three kids and a job and all that business and um and you know exercise is really seasonal isn't it like it's got to fit with your life it's got to be convenient you've got to enjoy it and you do different things during your life and um and I just had this thing of getting fit after having my babies and doing all these hit things and crazy classes which which I loved but I just kept hurting myself like I was approaching 40 and it was just everything kept snapping or pulling or and it was working with you that actually one working with you was just really helped with my mindset like um of recovering some confidence but being body aware and training wisely and sensibly and so so and, and actually Jackie you introduced me to Chris Cresser I remember the moment where we we're in the gym and I had all these thoughts going on in my head about I can't do this career anymore and I said to you if you were to use a supplement what would you use and you went ah well I said 
never answering well, that I'd, question. Why don't you go and listen to Chris yeah, Presser? Well, I'd, my, my wife had like <laughs> took me. She was just getting into functional medicine. Like, um, yeah. she took me down to the talk that he did in London. Sort of wrote me along, and I I followed him for the first ten minutes of the full day seminar that he did, and he taught with no notes or no slides and nothing for an entire day. He just stood there for seven hours and just talked and answered questions it was unbelievable um and yeah. actually it was chris Cresser that really won me over because i think when you start looking at the health messages on the internet it is so confusing for people i found it confusing when i started looking you've got professor so-and-so saying eat fat and you've got professor so-and-so say don't touch fat you know you have a heart attack and and it's really confusing and i can only imagine for the general public like you know who do you trust you know and i and and it took me probably seven to nine months to to overcome that cynicism in me of what is you know what is scientifically based what is evidence-based what works and Chris like Cressa he just he's so geeky and so evidence-based and actually he's great to listen to if you want to fall asleep because he doesn't there's not much rhyme and melody in his voice <laughs> but actually do you know he won me over because there was no drama there was no oh take your aloe vera and that'll make everything go away or there was no, no drive in terms yeah. of trying to sell something to I me. think he goes past evidence-based though because he he takes the evidence yeah. and then he critically evaluates the evidence and we'll evaluate that critically against other evidence rather than going, oh, here I found this paper that agrees with what I would like to be able to do, which yes. lets me sell something. Yeah. And then he's got clinical experience of this working. And I think, so he's one of the very sensible voices to listen to. I also like done the same training as Ron John Chatterjee, who did Doctors in the House, and he's got the four pillar plan. And, and again, just um, he's another sensible voice to tune into and listen to when it comes to if you've got your own health issues. Yeah. And all making, as you found, people better, like... This, every, like they've all got everyone's all of those people have got case studies of well this person had this disease and now they don't yeah. have it anymore yeah so they've got the science they've got the evidence base they've got the clinical experience and a lot of them have their own story most yeah. of us that fall into this suddenly go oh crap like I'm ill and the system doesn't work and um, so and that's a lot of people who I meet who are in functional medicine especially doctors who have kind of embraced that way of thinking um, have stories like that their own personal stories so, Sarah, you, you mentioned something just a second ago, is the five pillars. Just give those so people can sort of embrace those again because we can then dive into those a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, so um, I'll talk about the five foundations. So nutrition, I don't talk about food or diet, it's nutrition. Um, I talk about sleep. I talk about movement, not exercise. Um, I talk about rest and I talk about connection. So connection with self, connection with other people, connection with a yeah. sense of purpose. And, and rest, as it, is that sort of linked into yeah, stress levels? It is. And... It's about balance um, because the evidence around what stress is doing to our body is phenomenal. And I will meet people who are so bang on with their nutrition and who are still ill and nine out of ten times it's because they are so stressed um, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because as you were talking before that like staying up longer and working later and doing more that's a badge of honor for success right yes, if you want to achieve something and sleep get up less. to the gym at five o'clock in the morning yeah, yeah these sorts of things but we and, and there's yeah. the same that's in like entrepreneur to a certain level of like oh well if you if i sleep less than you i'm gonna be more successful than you okay well okay well, we can get stuck into that maybe another podcast but there's a lot of this sort of stuff where people are just getting really conflicting messages that are taken from like going back to what you said before of going well, rather than an eye doctor you're talking about it from that one perspective but you're preaching it like it's like dead set 100% what you need to do 
Whereas the holistic view is a little bit more uncomfortable because people are like, well, I've got all these things that I need to manage and I really want to be successful. What have we, uh, but let's start with the nutrition one because it's, an, uh, it's a space where we have in, in fitness, which is massively confused from our perspective. People have lost their way and they're, they're starting to find their way back, but still not, I don't think is where we need to be going just yet. Can we go hard into that juicy calories question? Yeah, let me, yeah, go I give it, that. only just want to talk about hacks, right. but that might yeah. be, if we're going to do, let's do this one first. So hacks yeah. is a dodgy word, potentially, but there's some stuff that you put on your Instagram that I really like. And I've been wanting Catherine to give me, so Jacko's wife to give me some on this for a while. Like if I'm going to give some real simple things, let's go a level below, like eat veg, because that's the, we should be doing that. Like you put something on your Instagram in the week about turmeric, for example, real easy to get into the diet. What are those sorts of little things we can do which are just really good um, and potentially can have quite a big impact? Um, just before I answer that, we don't have to get everything right. Our body is wired to heal and it has the most amazing capacity to flex and so if you've got young kids and you can't sleep it just means you've got to work harder on your other foundations you don't have to have it all right Mm -hmm. um and i think progressive overload just remind me of the we did a podcast with phil learning he uh, this idea of progressive overload we do with like weight training but he added it to like everything in life so like rather than trying to fix everything like someone we might listening and hearing those five pillars and go crikey those five foundations i could work on i need to work on all five of those but actually that's unattainable and actually just progressively progressive overload is about just ticking off one little thing at a time make sure you can manage that and then make another one then make another one um and so going back to the food um question which kind of is in line with what we're talking about in terms of because you can get completely overwhelmed like you need to understand like I've worked in the inner city and I might have some patients that only ever eat peas and carrots on a Sunday like and so if I start talking to them about dairy-free gluten-free organic like I've lost them and and, 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 and nutrition has to be personalized it has to work for you it has to work for your family situation it has to work for your income and and so I, I'm always a little bit nervous about you know, putting out big messages because it, because it, it, it does have to be personalised to your situation. But the big thing is 50% of our nation eats... No, our nation eats 50% of their diet is processed. The biggest thing that you can possibly do for your health is stop buying packaged food and recover a love for food in the kitchen and learning how to cook simple things. Like that, that is it. Like if you did that, it doesn't matter whether you're turmeric, salt, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't yeah. matter. That, w- that will be your biggest that's win. That's your rocks, right? Absolutely. And that's putting, you've got your empty jar, put your yeah, rocks in first. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next message is we need to befriend fat. Fat is so much more than calories. It's so much more than energy. It does some incredible things in our body and we have demonized it. Fat does not make us fat. Um, And we need to understand that some fats are harming us. So vegetable oils in particular, I get out of people's diet very quickly um, because it's very inflammatory. Does that include some like vegetable and some flour? So vegetable oils, we also industrialize seed oils. So sunflower oil, um, safflower, cotton flour, often on packet foods, it just is labeled as vegetable oil. It's not a vegetable anyway, but it's been there to sell this idea that it's healthy and actually before the 1950s it had no part of our normal diet Um, and they're highly inflammatory and the root of most chronic disease is an inflammatory problem um and And so so just on so before the 1950s we didn't have no none at all we 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 wouldn't we would have got those kind of oils from eating nuts and seeds and what have you but you would not have found your flora and your sunflower oil and it wasn't part of how we cooked it's only like 
Yeah. So fat would have been from your dripping and from, yeah. you know, your pork fat and um, butter. And so it, it's, a, it's a relatively new thing in terms of our thousand years of living. So, yeah. so and our friend, health is getting steadily worse since that point yeah so so maybe you know the thing for a listener today is right getting the sunflower oil out of the cupboard (laughs) make some play-doh with it or something or throw it away um you know that can be just a really small thing friendly fats are actually going back to your lard ghee um coconut oil dairy um butter um grass-fed butter in particular um and um and then in terms of cold oils, it's your olive oil, you know, lather it on your food. You can't actually get... Those are get, okay, olive oils. Yeah, with those, fabulous. Yeah. And actually, if What's you... What's the difference with cooking with it? Like, yes. Because some of them, depending okay. on like, no, their heat... Absolutely. Yeah. And if you go on my website, there's a okay. little cheat sheet for oh, you. But, um, yeah, okay. so we'll put the link uh, in for that. See, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, when, when, when fats are cooked with, they can oxidise, and that's a really horrible... Um, process and when something's oxidized it becomes very unstable and it can attack your cells and cause problems so and and so you have to choose fats that you that are safe to cook with on the whole the principle the take-home point would be if they're solid at room temperature um, they're probably okay to cook with Olive oil. Depending on the room. It's yeah, like a sauna right now in, in my <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not solid. Your coconut oil is not solid right now. <laughs> no. And then olive oil in particular answer to your question. Very light olive oil. You can get different types um, are okay to cook with um, at a sort of medium, high-ish heat where in terms of putting on your vegetables, you want that thick, unfiltered, um, lovely stuff. It's so nutritious. And you can't actually get the goodness out of your vegetables without, oil in your food so you know these ladies that go have their salads and go oh no I won't have a dressing it's like mm. oh forget it just lather Get it on, on. like <laughs> <laughs> plus you know fat tells us we're full um so it's a natural way to suppress appetite great tips um yeah then eat vegetables yeah. <laughs> plant slant and we need to get sugar out of our diet it's killing us as a nation because that's a really interesting one of this is a can of worms but there's been a lot of personal trainers with instagram followings that have kicking back against the demonization of sugar go when yeah. sugar's not addictive sugar's not all yeah. bad you can eat sugar if you want yeah. like it's all about calories yeah, yeah. go oh god <laughs> i know but wait, 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 we'll come, we'll come back to it let's just go just do okay, just yeah. do sugar on its own and yeah. then yeah, like, okay. we'll pick yeah, yeah. that like calorie question up yeah um so where because you've already talked about processed foods when you say sugar because when you say sugar some people people have various different even views on like i've had someone thought oh we've, we're doing we're cutting out sugar for 30 days and then they tell me what they had like for breakfast i'm like hey, you just had, like, and he didn't put sugar on your frosties but you know it wasn't that bad but you know what i mean it was like they actually having a lot of sugar without sort of necessarily knowing it um like yeah, yeah. different sugars like sugars in fruit for example yes. compared to like process when you're saying yes. about sugar being bad yeah. What, just yeah. op- just open that kind of so up a little I bit. So I think it, the issue is excess sugar. Lots, right. Let's not demonise another food group. Like yeah. our body has a wonderful mechanism for keeping our sugars nice and steady, and um, and that's fine. If and we're functioning right. Yes, if we're functioning right. But the problem is our Western diet is so full of sugar, um, and so it's not just the white stuff that we add on to our cereal in the morning or put in our tea. Yes, it's very hidden in a lot of foods. Um, I mean, I picked up a green smoothie the other day because I was in a rush and thinking that would be a healthy option but I realised it had the equivalent to 28 teaspoons of sugar in it 
And the guidelines are the maximum we should have in our diet um, is about seven for men, six for women, um, six for sort of um, younger kids. And there are no guidelines for safe sugar levels for the under twos. So Six grams of sugar? Yeah, yeah six teaspoons. Oh, six teaspoons, And sorry. each um, teaspoon is four, four grams. So that's, you know, most people kind of like to think in terms of the teaspoons mm. than working out. So is that say that under twos shouldn't be having any? Well, there's, there's, they, they won't issue guidelines okay. so um yes because it's uh, interesting you know, we, we well, my, jack my little boy is two in a bit now and we've only just started like allowing him from when he was two actually not because i knew that but actually just seemed about the right time because he was becoming more aware of what was going on um, we're still very strict with it with him but there's also that point of like he's going to get exposed to it at some point so he we're going to try and just acclimatize him and teach him but he's actually got a really good palate like he'll give him a parsnip he'll crack on like some days and sometimes he won't but and if i give him um 100 um cacao chocolate i quite like 100 or 90 he thinks it's flipping brilliant because he's never had milk chocolate <laughs> so it's like, and but, i have yeah. trained my children to like chocolate to yeah. dark chocolate and i have to, i've got three girls they're now age 13 11 and 8 i mean the other day my eight-year-old started talking about the omega threes in a meal so i think i might have slowly gone over the top and um, but but you know and i also she commented the other day how 70 percent chocolate was just far too sweet so, yeah. so you can train your palate I've tr- i didn't used to like dark chocolate no. at all so like not even that long ago but yeah, going back to the sugar question, yeah. so it's hidden in our food, um, but uh, and in lots of different forms. So fructose, glucose, um, you know, fructose syrup, and then it's natural sugars, your dates, you know, syrup and your honey and what have you, and all of those things act in the on the body in the same way. And um, so it doesn't really matter what it looks like in terms of the impact that it's having on you metabolically. So what it's have what the impact is having on your body, and and. And the other thing that we then throw into it is that we live in a culture where we make lots of stuff from flour. So wheat flour, rice flour, all that kind of stuff. So your bread, your pasties, your pastry. And when you bite, you know, into your piece of toast, you have this wonderful enzyme called amylase. It breaks it down to simple sugars. So you've got sugar from sugar, and then you've got sugar actually coming from everything that's made with a refined flour, which is a massive part of our culture. And the, and the problem is, is that our body, again it has this wonderful ability to keep our sugars level and um, and one of the ways it does is that when we eat something with a lot of sugar in um, it releases uh, an enzyme called horm- um, called insulin um, and insulin goes round and it kind of it's like a key it kind of goes around the cells and lets sugar into the sugar stores which is your muscles and your liver I mean you guys know this but the other thing it does is because sugar is just so toxic to the body it just needs to get rid of it really fast and the quickest thing that it does is make it into fat and this is why we're so obese not because as a nation not because of fat that we're eating but because of the high sugar content of our foods because sugar is toxic to our body and our body's way of dealing with that is to quickly as possible make fat but what happens after a few years of doing this is your body's like well do you know what sugar is toxic and we are sick of it as cells so we're going to go on strike we're going to change the lock to this um, door and we are going to become resistant to insulin so then insulin can't do its job and and those sugars rise in your body and that's you go through the process of glycation causes lots of problems and you get diabetes and heart disease and alzheimer's and dementia and um you know insulin resistance is a mechanism in cancer like so it is it is 
is fundamental that we have to address this issue of, of um, sugar, re reframing it. Um, and, and it's really hard. I have kids. It is so, so difficult. Absolutely. You know, and everybody seems to want to give your kids sweets. And, you know, even when we're trying to make healthy choices, because a lot of people are still buying into this low fat message that is rammed full with sugar. And then unfortunately, sweeteners also cause insulin resistance. So sweeteners are no better. So they might not have the calories, but in terms of the toxic, the toxic effect on your mm. body and causing disease, it, it is still a problem. Yeah. So just those those recommended daily their daily allowances yes. for, for diets. Yes. So the six, the six teaspoons for a for child? a woman. For I think it's six teaspoons for a woman and age six and above daily. Um, daily. Yeah. Which is about twenty five grams. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. Well, four Sorry. six twenty four. I think just out there with your maths. <laughs> yeah, I was, just, I was trying hot. to make a nice round number because really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look at the back of a packet you look at carbohydrates yeah. and it says which how much is sugars so say it's 24 grams you divide it by four that tells you you've got six teaspoons um, in that so for a bowl of frosties about four teaspoons uh, but who has a normal bowl of frosties if you actually weigh it out it's nothing like I always have twice yeah. that yeah. So, and I put sugar on top of my yeah, frosties yeah, as, a, as a kid I put sugar yeah. on my frosties so yeah Fuck. and so our kids are basically having pudding for breakfast and going out <laughs> into the day you know um, we're, just, we're just setting them I'm up I'm surprised disaster. I'm still alive like when yeah. I think of when I was a kid like what my sugar intake yeah. would have been as a kid um, Gosh. But that's the wonder of the body, though. It is it incredible. It, and, it, yeah. and, and one, it can recover. Yeah. Like diabetes, we spend one billion in the country on diabetes. It is a reversible disease. Um, and it's not just what we eat. It's how we sleep. So if you're sleep deprived, you will become, um, your, your sugars will change and you look like you've got diabetes. And if you're not exercising, you know, it's, it's not just about what we eat. It's having that holistic approach. So... So my clotted cream dessert that I've been yeah. having recently is yeah. on point. Do, but then I say, like, uh, you know, I think loads, I think Chris Cresser says this, this kind of 80-20 thing. Like, once I've got somebody well, like, we food is about celebration. It's about, you know, it's about family and, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and actually, you know, to maintain making good decisions, you've got to be able to celebrate because otherwise you have this, I've fallen off the wagon and you give up. No, let's create rhythms of good decisions and then celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. But I've heard to be able to conversations, I've overheard conversations with people before where it's like we, and this happens in all things that we do. We like get a little bit of knowledge or information, then we like use it like massively out of context. Of so, hear it might might hear about sugar, and then it's like you know fruits, and then going like, oh no, I'm not going to have a banana because I buy the sugar in it. And then they forget about the, like, Mars bar they had earlier. Do you know what I mean? Like, rather than going, there's a lot of things about, like, fruit It's that's very going to be... Yes, it's going to have, like, fructose in it, but it's not processed yes. as far as... Because nature holds... The thing is, like, don't juice your fruits. Yeah on the whole because it gets rid of that nature's ability to hold on to the sugars like if you if you're going to have fruit eat it and um and the and, and and it has this natural ability to slow down the impact that it has um and i think as a nation fruit isn't an issue <laughs> like it is not the issue it is the food industry and what they're ramming into our food and like i go back to that same point if you don't eat packaged food like enjoy a bit of sugar like come on it's a wonderful thing like it's a, so i think we need 
need to have perspective over it. Um, and we need to remember that food needs to be fun and we need to enjoy it. And Do, do we need to be concerned about how much fruit we're eating just to clear that up? So because yeah. if you say it's a cumulative six yeah. grams of sugar a day, for yeah. example, like yeah. if we're eating fruit and stuff in the evenings or throughout yeah. the day, is that, yeah. is that something that we need to be mindful of? I think it's so... Well, like, go, like, so like an average size banana yeah, yeah. as an example. Like, so yeah. how much, how many grams of sugar? Know. Um, You're going to ask me and I'd I have to I look it try, up. I feel like I should as know as well. <laughs> but it's not... But I think the the thing is that those things are not you get it, you end up having you can end up having a lot of it when you have yeah. it like in a like juice yeah. or a smoothie. Yeah. Like this yeah. smoothie's got three million blueberries in it. <laughs> well, juice like, one orange and see how much juice you get out of yeah, it, and exactly. then how much you're going to drink in the so grass. So if I right? eat an orange, like yes, I'm having some sugar, but actually, how much am I having? Um, and how much does that make me? So, so I full think I eat it rather than drink it. Yeah. So I think going to your question, like. Um, when I'm getting people to eat more fruit and vegetables, I tend to promote vegetables and what, we talk about eating the rainbow and what have you. And I tend to keep fruit lower. And um, because it can, you know, it can be an, an issue, but I think as a nation, it's not an issue. But on an individual level, if you're eating four, five, six, seven pieces of fruit a day, that, that is an issue. I think the other thing just to slip in there is that you can be wise how you eat sugar. So, you know, that piece of cake that you have kind of in the middle of the afternoon, it's going to have a very different effect on your metabolism and on your sugars in your blood than if you eat it straight after a meal. Because when you eat it with a meal, it kind of mixes up with the protein and the fat and everything else you've eaten. And it slows down kind of the release of that sugar. So you can be a bit savvy about how you eat sugar as well, um, you know, for those treats. Um, That's interesting. I think it's a, a, a part of goes. You've, you've sort of called the uh, appointed a little bit of responsibility towards the food industry. My, my granddad was a farmer, so they just ate seasonally, and they didn't have access to pineapples. For example, he lived in areas of farm outside Nottingham. He probably never had a mango in his life. <laughs> he had a peach mango, tree. Mango, I love the mango. But you just it, it's the abundance that we have now, isn't it? Everything is accessible all the time, um, and if fruit and we can have whatever fruit we like whenever we want, and, we, and it's deemed to then be healthy. And that's why I don't want people to now go and get confused and all of a sudden, like I followed a nutrition plan or let's call it a diet a while ago, and it was a super low carb one yeah. and it got me paranoid about eating carrots because carrots as a root vegetable is high in carbohydrate and I was like I got to a point when I came out of it I was like what am I doing like I eat carrots all the time now great snack I don't know if that's a good thing or not but it's like but I find that one thing when I go to the kitchen and I'm trying to eat like this it's actually quite hard in some ways because you look at everything you go what have I got that I can I can snack on and then you move towards like we're snacking on vegetables or you're going to eat a form of protein but there's or not say too many of those because it's just easy and fill in but it it, it is it's very much a lifestyle and people's methodology towards that needs to be a small go at a time yeah and like I said, it's what we do over decades. Yeah. Like your diet that you did however many months yeah, ago yeah. will have had very little impact on your longevity and how long you live. Mm. Um, so it, it is those small steps. It is rethinking as families how we eat, as communities how yeah. we eat. Um, I think you intrinsically, when you narrow down those things of what you can yeah. eat, I end up thinking, yeah, I probably just eat less because I'm, there's some things I just go, well, I'm just not going to eat that. So I probably just don't eat something. We don't have a lot of... Or hardly any sort of sweet stuff in our house. Like yeah, you say, chocolate does it. Chocolate below eighty yeah. percent doesn't get into the kitchen. Yeah. It's not allowed. But that's and that's like the one of the best ways to make changes is like don't have it in the cupboard. Yeah, if it's not if it's not there, <laughs> if you do, you you've got to make that yeah. decision then when you're shopping. Yeah. If you 
don't bring yeah. it in and it's and this, definitely this not way gonna... of life is wholly inconvenient like yes. you cannot tweak your modern day life and get the benefits like it's just you you have to plan you have to shop you might even have to learn to cook you you know and if you're a person that's constantly on the road having to think ahead about how you eat like it takes thought and it costs but it's a lot less costly than getting cancer. <laughs> or, and it, and so, and it's so having that it, foresight now, it, though, is what's difficult. Because in the moment, it's much easier to just do the... the well, this falls exactly in line with what's going to happen to me in 20, 30 years time. Well, this is the conversation we've had loads recently about investing in movement and mobility and investing in your physical pension. It's the same thing now. Where it's, oh, I'm just going to grab a sandwich. And if you're busy for 10 years of your life, that's probably going to go on for quite a long time until you make a step change. But this is the same thing now. Eat well now because you want to reap the benefit when I'm 70 and I'm actually still charging around loving life rather yeah. than sort of losing my, my yeah. quality of life yeah um, yeah and that's something I mean part of my job every weekend is you know dealing with people dying with cancer or old people who just can't live in their home anymore because they can't get out of their chair because their muscle mass has just decreased and they've not used it and we think it will never happen to us like but we do we need we need an attitude of actually self-care and investing in ourselves and grappling with these questions even though they can be confusing at times but keep you know finding those sensible voices finding people to support you as you're making changes and it's amazing when you go back to first principles of like I'm reading a book called Spark at the moment by Dr. John Ratty and it's uh, it's amazing because it's talking about um, the effect of exercise on the brain so it's talking about anxiety and depression and, and um, attention deficit disorders and stuff and how how science and researchers have used exercise and I'm loving it because it's it all goes back to what is just the basics of the, the human what's good for the, for us as humans is really simple it's 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 natural food that grows in the ground or we can farm yeah that we know what it is and where it's come from and it's movement and it's getting sleep and it's being in community like what was number five rest and not being stressed like our whole life that we are in 2019 has got all of those wrong if you just go with the path of least resistance you have to swim upstream a little bit to get them out but the benefits are huge if you can do it and uh, the the phrase that you've used recently and in the blog and um, investing in physical pension and that being about movement does we need to like we need to add in this whole nutritional element as well as then all those other aspects that go around it because they're all going to affect the the physical part is just one of those things. Um, let's shift gears slightly. Are we doing calories? Deep Are we dive go in? Yeah, into yeah. calories. Go no, in hard. It's going to make <laughs> people potentially listening feel a little uncomfortable. But because so there was a the the example you gave was a guy who was sleeping less than five hours. He lost ten pounds in two months by not changing his diet, but by changing his sleep. Although I guess the question is, did his sleep, better sleep patterns, change his hunger yeah. and therefore then actually he did eat less calories? Could be. No, 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 it could be. Because, but we do understand that, you know, with sleep deprivation, it affects us hormonally. And, and, and um, so we crave more sugar. Um, we um, eat more because those mechanisms aren't working. Yeah. Um, so, um, so make poorer choices. So I think... So potentially, but the big, I guess the yeah. big question that we want, the big question yeah. that like, we started laughing and getting excited about and shaking our heads was around the nervous. concept of... <laughs> no, but could the, so in essence, could the, could, the, could the weight loss have happened for that individual yeah. 
even if his calorie intake was exactly the same? Or is the equation of calories in versus calories out and not considering his hormonal balance now his body is functioning from all the hormonal aspects and any other aspects that might affect it? Yeah. Um, So I, I think, I don't believe that the whole we're fat because we have got too many calories on the whole. No, do I believe that? No, there is a part. If you eat a lot more calories, you are going to get fat. But they've done studies where they've looked at um, putting people on a low-fat diet, low-carbohydrate diet, um, and a calorie-restricted diet of anything you want. And, you know, they've got the same individuals to do the same diet to around for the variants. They've done two really good studies on it. And, and people, so they're having the same calories, they're doing the same thing, it's tested on the same individual. And people lose weight at different uh, uh, differently according to what diet they're following, even though they have the same calories. So it is... It's so doing, that emphasises that point. There's yeah, something else going yes, on absolutely. rather than just calories. So I think regardless of where you get your calories from, if you eat more than you need, then we will gain weight. However, um, what we're eating can be just as important as um, calorie restriction. And, you know, you know, if you take an extreme example of, you know, same amount of calories in broccoli to the same amount of calories in Haribo sweets and ate the same, they're going to have a completely different effect on your body, on your metabolism, on your gut health. Um, and so it, the, the, that simple idea of um, it's all about calories, I think, is out and the science you know, is there to support it, that it's, it's more complicated that, than that. I mean, it even comes down to, you know, we can go on to gut bacteria, but if, you, if you've got a certain um, problem with your gut bacteria, you can um, be more at risk of obesity regardless of what you eat, you know, regardless of your calorie restricting or whatever diet that you're choosing to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. When is, it's like when is the people that push that only yes. message about when's that yeah. going to come crashing down? But I guess it, I mean it, it does work though. Like low calorie diets and low fat diets, like they do work in the short term. I think when we're starting to look at longer term um, studies, they they don't in the long term. People don't maintain that kind of weight that weight yeah. loss. Well, um, Brian Keane gave a really good example about this. He said he had a client come to him. Um, is podcast I'm yeah, I love it you know you listen to do you listen to anyone's podcast where when they recall a podcast they remember the number of it like oh the one it was, it was 76 or I, I can't remember the number it was but um, he said there was a, a lady comes through and she wanted to she wanted to lose weight for like a wedding or something and it was like oh I'm, I'm going to go on these particular type of shakes whatever it was and he was like um, yeah but that's we're not, we don't do it right. he was sort of like trying to guide her on that's not really going to work she's like oh no I've done them before it's work. it works works I've done it three times it works he's like you're saying they work and you're now like back to being up and she, and she couldn't actually initially get her head around the fact that he was going the fact that you're here going to try them again proves that they don't work rather than the fact that they work in a small time frame which I thought was a, a good example I think we've got to a place potentially um, I may or may not be correct on this but the, the nutrition and the fitness industry got super complicated and it, well it just got confused and there was all these different things and protocols and, and everyone's now started to go do you know what it's not actually about whether you intermittent fast or whether you're on a keto diet or whether you do flexible dieting or whatever they've all kind of gone back to first principles of calorie deficit and what i suspect may happen is we then start to rebuild a little yeah. bit by going actually calories are really important and if you eat too many of them you're going to gain weight yeah. 
Okay, we've established that. Now let's have a conversation about what type of calories or where your calories are coming from, which might actually help. And hopefully that is then going to come in line with going, you can't get away with eating 100 grams of ice cream and thinking that's equal to 100 grams of Oh, you know, calories worth of, of ice cream versus broccoli but it's probably a good place that we come back down to first principles or to a level and which we can now hopefully with sensible voices such as yours rebuild to a better place where people know that eating broccoli is better than eating Mars I'm bars. trying to visualise what 100 calories of broccoli looks like compared to 100 calories of ice cream and it's probably a very very lot of broccoli yeah. and a very tiny tiny amount of ice so, cream so I think a tip in terms of if somebody is thinking that they need to lose weight I always start with the gut you know, you well, have to have your gut, gut. You know, you gut have bacteria. to have your gut bacteria functioning properly in order to maintain your metabolism right. And so, you know, we can do what we want, but if at the expense of um, our gut bacteria and some of my issue with the ketogenic diet, which I do use with some of my patients in certain medical circumstances with great effect short term, it has an impact on their gut bacteria. And, 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 and that is a real problem um, because we are now understanding that our gut bacteria is very linked to a whole host of, of chronic diseases, depression, anxiety, Parkinson's, ADHD, autism, you know, um, your cholesterol, heart disease, cancer i mean it just goes on and on and um and so i you know if you're like oh you know i've just listened to them and i'm so confused how do i lose weight uh, i would go and get hold of somebody who knows how to eat well for the gut you know a good recipe book and start there and eat for your gut um because you're because your body as well as the bacteria but your body actually has a natural way of maintaining your weight if you eat the right things um you know it has this hormone called leptin that's produced by your fat cells that when you get to the point where you're fat enough for health it releases leptin and it tells your brain that you need to stop eating and the issue is one insulin resistance like we talked earlier because of a high sugar diet um, causes leptin resistance so our body can't our brain can't hear that our leptin's high and so it just keeps eating. Um, and so, and the other thing is we're so distracted, we don't know how to listen. The issue, yeah. one of the biggest that, like, things... We eat when we're yeah. driving or yeah. working yeah. or we're not yeah. even going to listen so, to the signals. And so, you know, it, actually, if you were to practice some mindfulness to listen to what your body wants and you were to just do, you know, a bit of a gut healing diet um, and to start thinking differently around nutrition, your body will find its natural weight. I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced and that's my experience of watching people who take that approach um, before we even talk about calories before we talk yeah, about yeah. what we're eating you know it just Let's so people don't get confused I, I, love, I use it all the time that that quote around Oscar Wilde who says um, success is a science if you create the conditions you get the result and it's the same thing create the conditions within the body for success by actually where all our food is going to go into the gut let's just get that ready and then let's start to lay on top but it's it's about people aren't there about this awareness of gut health is it's not a new thing, but it's becoming, it's new in terms of the level of attention that it's getting. But it's, yeah, so gut health being pivotal and people are a bit like, there's definitely more aware, like you can go into the supermarket now and Johnny Wilkinson has got a kombucha. Um, and then I've seen, we've seen I've others, some right. other fermented like products like um, kefir and stuff. So I think it's when it's, when it goes into like a mainstream supermarket, I start to think like, okay, this is starting to become a bit more popular because if a, a supermarket has deemed it to be good enough to put on the shelf, then it's not now, it's now not this weird like niche thing that only um, weird functional medicine <laughs> people do. Um, not that we're weird, but um, 
So no, we're the future of medicine. Exactly. We're not weird. We're not, no, no, it's not no, alternative definitely. medicine. So on, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying weird energy. Um, for so for for a beginner, for a beginner, yeah. Things that like because um, I was thinking one thing I wrote down in my notes was like back in the day, and I don't know how many years ago it was like uh, Yakult. That was good for you. That was good for your gut. Um, and the difference between prebiotics and probiotics, okay. which way I can't remember which way around Yakult yeah. was, but like, and then right as a begin, if I'm a beginner and I would go, okay, I believe what Sally's saying, yeah. I want to do something to make my gut health better. I think that that's going to be a good thing. What could they do tomorrow other than have some of yeah. my wife's homemade kombucha? Yeah. That's when you've really which, which we're drinking now, <laughs> which we have been drinking. Um, yeah. So I think just before we leap into what we can do, I think for those where this is new, I mean, we are more bacteria. Um, than we are human. We have trillions of bacteria in our gut. Um, and uh, over the course of the last 30 years, um, the what they look like, that diversity of that colony has changed very much because of our birthing practices, how our bottled milk, um, when we uh, feed a child, how we wean, our diet, antibiotic use, drug use. And in order to have a good functioning gut, we need a diverse, robust colony of uh, bacteria. So lots of different ones all thriving and they like to be fed like we do. Um, and in return, they do a whole host of amazing, amazing things in our body that we are only just beginning to scratch the surface of and understand. And it is a field that probably you know, by the time we talk, there'll be more and more evidence, you know. Um, so, so it's about that. But the other big part about gut health is that our gut lining, so our gut is a long tube, and the lining should be like a bit of cling film. Like nothing goes through it, nothing comes, you know, either way, except what the line, the cells lining the gut decide it should go through. And people have heard this, you know, term sort of called leaky gut. So it's gut impermeability. And that's where, you know, that piece of cling film gets lots of holes in. And then things start leaking across that shouldn't leak across. And when things leak across into the bloodstream, the bloodstream is like, whoa, what's this? Like, we don't recognize it. So it has a whole kind of immune response to it. And you get inflammation. And, and actually, you know, when you've got that problem, it can manifest in everything from acne to, you know, joint pains to, you know, uh, arthritic pains, migraine. Like, so there's two things when we're talking about gut health. We're talking about leaky gut. Um, so how do we get our gut so it's like that piece of cling film where nothing's going um, across so that 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 gut wall integrity and we're talking about looking after our bacteria and and we know that what we're eating as well as those other things I've also mentioned affects our gut health and we can um uh, 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 restore gut integrity um, and we can improve our gut um, bacteria by how we eat um, I think how we do that we might have to talk about gluten um, I'm still sitting on the fence just a little bit about what I think but my clinical experience is that when I get people off gluten a whole host of things seem to get better um, and so when I'm talking about um, looking after somebody's gut I do now put them on a gluten-free diet or or a compromise would be just ancient grains um, so you're spelt um, uh, so uh, and then they love a rainbow 
Like if you want a message, eat the rainbow, like eat the rainbow every day. Your gut bacteria love a host of different um, types of um, food in order to feed it. Um, and then it's about putting good bacteria into your gut. And that's when we talk about probiotic food. So probiotic food or probiotic medication is literally food that has bacteria in that is robust enough to get to our gut. Um, and then, you know, your prebiotic food are the, you know, what's in your rainbow that's actually actually feeding your gut um, so uh, and, and pre probiotic food are like the kombucha we've just drunk um, it's really easy to make fermented vegetables um, I do it all the time you literally get saline water with some saline in it so salty water throw in your vegetables leave it out for three days pop it in the fridge and you've fermented some vegetables they can be amazing um, but you know your kefir um, and um, what's the Asian cabbage one kimchi yeah. um so and the, these are just fermented and foods you get some yogurts with yes you do cultures. yeah absolutely obviously i always forget yeah yogurt is a part yeah. of very much part of a culture salamis dried meats um so these all have well, natural bacteria yeah, I could easily eat too much of that. <laughs> <laughs> True, I'm better off not knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so if you're going to eat for your guts, my key messages would be: have a go with a gluten-free diet. You're not going to do any harm. My medical colleagues that raise their eyebrows at me, I say, you're giving drugs. I'm just trying gluten-free. What damage am I doing? Yeah. What harm am I doing? Um, if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. But I tend to do a gluten-free really strictly. Um, get rid of processed food. So nothing in a packet. Lots of you know. Um, you know, eating the rainbow, healthy fats, well-sourced protein, um, and then toy with this whole, you know, fermented food idea, which isn't part of our culture, really, besides yoghurt. Is it used to be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think historically, probably hundreds of years ago, yes, we dried meat, didn't we? We, we pickled and we dried and we preserved. And, and actually, so yes, it must be part of our culture. That's something that we have lost and has not been handed down. I always find it fascinating that like the things that we used to do just like for a purpose we had to because we didn't have a freezer and a fridge yeah were actually like really good for our health yeah um, yeah yes yeah um, and you eat seasonally I mean imagine how happy you were when you've like who yeah you know like you know Alexander Graham Bell made the telephone and Thomas Crapper did the toilet like, who made the fridge <laughs> But that person would have been well happy with himself. He's like, look what I've done. Someone like yours, someone smeg. It's <laughs> <laughs> about that old as well. Yeah. I reckon there's the, there is an absolute ton of content there. I reckon yeah, we no. could probably do another hour, but um, right. let's yes. potentially save it for another yes. um, right. session with, with Dr. That Sally. could be your resident doctor. I think that is an amazing regular. shout. Because yeah. there's some stuff in there that, again, like... We are fortunate to be in a space yeah. where we've been exposed to it, so it's not such a big thing. But I remember Jack and I laughed about this a while ago. But when I first got into strength and conditioning, and that was let's say 10, 11 years ago, I was having crunch nut cornflakes for breakfast and having a great time. <laughs> like, it was amazing. But there has been over. <laughs> I didn't know to at this point. <laughs> I'd love to announce it because you're pretty. Let's say let's not say pretty. You're very strict with your food. You might not relatively like you to yourself relatively, but well, you, I compare myself against your wife. But I can, but just me comparing you to just gem most not general pop. Me yeah. comparing you to other people that train her into for health and fitness and nutrition. You're strict with yeah. you're strict with you. But I'm black and food. white. That's but why to, I'm on or off. But like. to know that you used to let you eat crunchy nut cornflakes. <laughs> but I didn't only better. I didn't. I literally because we've all grown up with the same marketing. That's yeah. a breakfast cereal. It's called breakfast yeah. cereal. 
and it's nice. Well, I remember, I remember a young lad turning up to pre-season one year when I was playing at Nottingham, and our our SNC coach, we didn't have a nutritionist. He sort of gave out our nutritional help and advice as well. We weren't lucky enough to have a specialist nutritionist, but. Um, this young lad he's like what do you have for breakfast and this young lad um, was like yeah, I think he had crunching up cornflakes or something I think he actually did because he then started calling him crunchy with his, with his nickname <laughs> but um, he literally you could tell, he looked around and he was like you could see he didn't say it out loud but you could see him going like but don't you because t- t- <laughs> like he wasn't particularly tactful like it was just like um didn't give him then alternatives, just made him like just sort of sweat it out and he was looking around and I imagine in his head he sort of was giving this look of like going well, what on earth do you eat for breakfast <laughs> if you don't have cereal? That a lot of people are like, there, there are no other options yeah. in the, like for, yes. for the UK. Is like it's cereal. Yes. Like there's a whole yeah. aisle. Come on, Tim. Yeah. There's a whole aisle in the supermarket for it. But I think that's it's, it's been it's, a, it's changed over time, isn't it? Like yeah. we've spoken, we've gone all the way from like now crunching up cornflakes to fermenting your own cabbage. That's next time. Next but time. There is the, the point is of just like you said, so just for people's encouragement is just take something just look yeah. at something and go I'm going to change that yeah. because when you start making these small incremental changes you, you, over time you don't really realise no. I mean yeah we need there's a bit of urgency because yes. it's longevity which is important how long we, we put these practices in place but once you've done a couple of those things it's yeah. the same as when we do it with training and changing habits and redefining your first impossible yeah. of a muscle up well that could be that you just actually don't have crunching up cornflakes in the breakfast that might yeah. seem impossible to start uh-huh. off with but you can add to it, right? You yes. can just build over Absolutely. time. Absolutely, that you know that is that yeah. is the approach. And I th- then I think in terms of just promoting myself for a moment. But when when you get stuck and you're ill, um, you know, find a functional medicine doctor. So I work in Nottingham and Birmingham. I just have a small clinic where I see people one to one. And also, I'm, I've um, developed a product where I do whole day workshops where I look at the five foundations. I take ten people. It's set in the beautiful grounds of Hampton Manor down um, near Birmingham. Um, we eat some great food um, and it's very creative and we really do a deep dive into those foundations to help people personalise their health. And then I am speaking um, in some food as medicine events. So again, in the evening, you can come, eat some fabulous food while I explore some of these concepts in greater depth. Um, I do those at Hampton Manor, um, but also just secured a venue in Nottingham for autumn. So that's exciting. And all the details are on my um, website. So yeah, which is all of the web starts like that. <laughs> I know, you know? I mean, that's what they say, isn't it? On these podcasts, www.drsallybell. <laughs> yeah. drsallybell.com. Yeah, and, and uh, Instagram the- is. So Dr. Sally Bell Dr. again, Sally Bell. Facebook is Dr. Sally Bell, so you can find it's me It's an there. interesting thing, I must have had, my, on, I went for a run this morning, this is my closing thoughts, and um, I knew we were going to have the podcast today, and I, I trained, changed my training a bit, my first week adaptation, I'm feeling sore, legs a bit, and I was just like, I wrote on the Instagram post this morning, movement is medicine, you're talking about food is medicine, if you took those five foundations and just called them medicine, we'd be doing all right, we would we? we? would, like, we would, absolutely, if we it's not medicine. rocket science, like, like it's sleep people is medicine. can take their health back um, yeah. uh, as a nation we can yeah rather than we associate this word medicine with a drug yes yeah i'm gonna take some medication oh what is it rest yeah <laughs> de-stress people are like, what are you talking about connection is that in pill yeah. form <laughs> so sally Great. thanks so Thank much yeah, for, for coming and parting well, your knowledge we and sharing with us yes yeah, we, we are so hot yeah. <laughs> we'll put all those it's the hottest day on record i think ever isn't it in the uk let's say yes it's only muggy outside so we'll put the links for the social media we'll put links to your website and you said there's a cheat sheet on yeah, the website as well so we'll we'll put those in the show notes so people can click and find them um 
do let us if you've got any questions you can ask Sally like Instagram probably a good place to to go um, ask her any questions we'd also love to know what you thought about it if you'd like a part two as well where we will cover things like fasting I do want to talk about that um, let us know and we will put the wheels in motion for that we're probably going to do it anyway but Re- re- well, let us know your questions. What are people's us? questions? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. What's the point of just rabbiting on if we're not? If we're some, not, um, yes. something on fasting and a Q and A for Dr. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so what I want to do for people listening is send. I want you to try. I want to try and figure out how you you can send us a voice message. And then you're going to ask your question, like not not us read it out. That you're going to say it out loud, like to try and do that. That's going to be the first time we do that. Have you? I was just going to give people my tell people to WhatsApp me. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Give out my phone number. So amazing. Uh, so all that Jack is going to put all the things in the show notes. You better find everything that we want about. The, the final thing before just before sign off is that Sally was saying beforehand she'd really love it if people went and uh, gave the podcast a five star review. We said don't say don't go on about it. People kind of know. But <laughs> yeah, she did. She did mention. But yeah, if you, if you did, let, let us know and also give us a review if you enjoyed oh, it. I'm just getting ready um, for a moment. Come on. Yeah, yeah. She's toying in So yeah, hit us up. Hit us up with some reviews on the podcast. So Sally Bell absolute legend thank you very much for joining us on the podcast until next time class dismissed